The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At least nine Americans, including six children, brutally murdered in a massacre after a drug cartel opens fire on this family. They could be your neighbors, your cousins, your sister. One hero mother dies shielding her seven-month-old baby girl who lived. A 13-year-old boy, the brother, hid his little brothers and sisters from the gunman in bushes. Then he walked 13 miles to get help. Uh, The authorities there in Sonora say that one person, a heavily armed man, close to where the attacks took place, may possibly have participated, and the evidence is, quote, being analyzed. Seriously? They can't figure out who did it? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Nita and four of my grandchildren are burnt and shot up. Three women and at least six children, including twin infants, ambushed and shot in a remote mountainous area south of the U.S. border. Some of the survivors, including at least five children who were flown by helicopter to be treated for gunshot wounds in Tucson, Arizona. They somehow escaped the slaughter. The oldest was um, 13, I believe. He, he hid them all under a bush on the side of the road, told him to stay, and he ran. Victims' relatives say the group was traveling by caravan, picking up family members, preparing for an upcoming wedding. They were traveling in three separate SUVs, deep in narco territory and amid an ongoing cartel war. Mexican officials think the women's SUVs may have been mistaken by rival drug gangs. Relatives say at one point, one of the mothers got out of her vehicle with her hands up to show they were families. The gunman shot her point blank in the chest. Mexico has always been safe for us growing up. I always felt safe there. And just in the last few months, it's gotten, it's gotten a little scary. The drug violence getting worse in Mexico. And tonight, an American family that was ready to celebrate a wedding, now preparing for several funerals. At least nine Americans, including six children, brutally murdered in a massacre. A hero mother dies shielding her seven-month-old baby girl who survived while one boy hides his brothers and sisters from the killers in bushes. 
then walks 13 miles to get help after a drug cartel opens fire on this family, again, killing nine. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. The pain this family has endured is reverberating. And my question is, what are we Americans going to do about it? You were just hearing our friends over at ABC. It's overwhelming to me what has happened. Straight out to RadarOnline.com investigative reporter Alexis Terezchuk. Alexis, I, I just, as you know, handed in a manuscript to my publisher, Hachette, and the, the title of the book is Don't Be a Victim, Fighting Back Against America's Crime Wave. It's not on the shelves yet. But I researched and worked on the book for almost two years. A major chapter is traveling abroad, how to stay safe. I researched into Mexico, where I've been many times going diving there. At the end, I finally titled it, Just Don't Go. Just just Don't Go. Because the, the murder, the homicide rate in Mexico is horrible. And it's the number one vacation destination of U.S. citizens. Tell me what happened. Start at the beginning, Alexis. I don't understand. Mothers, babies, children all shot dead? These families were not on vacation. They all set out in the morning, daylight, broad daylight, three large SUVs, Chevrolet Tahoes, big, big cars, to go to a family wedding and to go pick up one of the ladies' husbands at the Phoenix, Arizona airport. So they drive in in their cars with all of their children, and they are stopped on the road, which is, I guess, is a notorious area for drug cartel problems. These women and children are defenseless, absolutely defenseless. They are murdered, slaughtered, shot in their cars separately. Each SUV was had a mother and children in it, and each mother and her children were killed by multiple gunshots, gunshot wounds. Their bodies were riddled with bullets, including the children. Joining me, an all-star panel, Professor of Forensics, Jacksonville State University, Joseph Scott Morgan, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon. Dr. Kendall Crowns, medical examiner, Travis County, Texas. That's Austin. Newcomer today, Dr. Debbie Joffe Ellis, psychologist, professor at Columbia University. That's not shabby. Joining me right now, James Galliano, former FBI supervisory special agent and attache to Mexico for two years, James Galliano, international crimes expert. James Galliano, thank you for being with us. James, this family traveling caravan style to a wedding, the mommy, one of the mommies, gets out, holds her hands up in the air for Pete's sake, and they shoot her dead. Well, help me, James, help me understand why it happened, and what, if anything, we can do about it? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a great question, Nancy. And, uh, you know, and, and listening to the lead-up, you know, in regards to Mexico, you pointed out I lived there from 2013 through 2014, and Mexico has a huge violence problem. You know, it's a, it's a country, I think. It's of, horrible. It, about, James, listen, I, I'm just on the, t- I'm on the outside looking in. You lived there. But I've been there many, many times when I was a diving enthusiast. I quit that after the twins were born. 
because I, I, I feel that the risk is too great and I don't want to leave them without a mom. But researching for this book, it's so many Americas just gunned down, like leaving restaurants, walking downtown, walking in a shopping area, just gunned down for no reason. Tourists. Well, I think we need to make a distinction there, though. I mean, you know, the two years that I was there, we had very, very, very few cases of actual American citizens being killed there. And Mexico is a country of 129 million people. I think last year they suffered 33,000 homicides. That's, that, that's horrific. The United States has 335 million people, and I think last year we were just around 16,000 homicides. So certainly per capita there are areas uh, like where this case happened, up in the Sonora region, along the border, up near Chihuahua, places like uh, Ciudad de Juarez, places like that that are known for for cartel, uh, you know, the, the, the bloodbath that's associated with the cartels. I will caveat it by saying this. I do travel back to Mexico now with my family and do visit. Um, you have to stick to the rules, and the rules are you stay by major urban areas, places like um, Mexico City, to, per, per se, where there's James, 21 million James, people there. James, 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 James. Yes. Uh, okay, I would not have known all these stats if I had not just finished literally writing a book about it. When you go online to the U.S. government website, it lists all of these Mexican cities. Do not travel. Be on alert. High alert. Don't go here. Don't go there. And then they give you all these outlines. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't go to this region. Don't go to that region. I mean, and they're high-profile tourist areas, I would like to point out. They're, they're not all uh, small border towns that uh, many Americans have not heard of. A lot of them are areas that are hotspots for American tourists. But how has the cartel taken over Mexico and now they go with impunity and murder mothers with their children? How's that happening? And what, if anything, can we do about it as the American government? What can we do? Well, I would never suggest that a tourist gets on a long, lonely stretch of highway, you know, through San Luis Potosi or places like that, headed up north toward the border areas. I would tell them to stay close to the resorts because, you know, Mexico's economy is built essentially on American tourism, and they certainly want to make sure that they, that they get to the bottom of this. My frustration is just I don't believe the case is being worked concurrently oh, right now. Oh, blah, 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 James. No offense. I am not spitting in the face of the FBI. Never would I do that. But, quote, getting to the bottom of it, uh, I already know what happened. A Mexican drug cartel, which is the lowest of the low, are drug pushers, drug distributors. They ruin lives. They murdered nine American citizens. I've already gotten to the bottom of it. My question is, what's going to happen now? Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We were always told if you're not in the mafia, you'll be safe. They won't hurt you. They won't They won't bother you. Um, after this incident, I know that is not true. Three SUVs set out from Lamora, about 70 miles south of Douglas, Arizona, as the convoy came under fire. Some of the children managed to escape. The oldest, who was 13, he hit the rest of the kids behind a tree on the side of the road and walked back to our community to get help. 
Just off all, the governor of Sonora tweeting, I don't know what kind of monsters dare to hurt women and children. As governor, I will do everything to make sure this does not go unpunished and those responsible pay this morning. It's still unclear what motivated this attack. If you go to CrimeOnline.com and you see the faces of this family slaughtered, they could be your neighbors, your cousins, your sister, your nephews, your nieces. Nine members of the LeBaron family were attacked eight miles apart while traveling in a convoy uh, back and forth to a wedding. One hero mother dies shielding her seven-month-old baby girl who lived. A 13-year-old boy, the brother, hid his little brothers and sisters from the gunman in bushes. Then he walked 13 miles to get help. To Joseph Scott Morgan, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon. He is a death investigator. You have studied every bit of information that has been released. What can you tell happened based on the forensics? Well, I got to tell you, Nancy, I, I was looking over the crime scene images uh, in this particular case, and they're absolutely horrific. And specifically what it centers around is uh, this SUV that's out in this, this scrub area that they have. It looks like a desert, maybe high desert, uh, low growth bushes. I, you know, they're talking about the kids hiding away in these areas. I don't see how anybody could be sequestered in this low growth brush. But one of the things that's very striking, Nancy, is that the vehicle that the images kind of center in on, and I think that a lot of people have already seen this in the news, uh, has been burned out. Nancy, the tires on this vehicle are gone. And in order to literally melt the tires on a vehicle, you're looking at about 1,100 degrees temperature. So that, that begs the question from a forensics perspective, what was the goal here? Was it to destroy evidence, this sort of thing? Um, and another thing here is that I, there's one quick image that I can see in regards to this. There is what we would refer to as a tight shot group where it looks like uh, there are bullet defects in the side of the vehicle and they're very close together, which gives us an indication that the individuals within that vehicle were in a kill, a kill zone that was very, very close to the muzzle of that weapon. Somebody had very tight control over the, over the weapon that they were utilizing. It looks like the rounds have actually passed from outside to inside of the vehicle. And so they were specifically targeting people in that car. Uh, this is a horrific scene, and, and this is what they're kind of hampered by, Nancy. This is a very, very isolated area. We heard how far that young man had to walk. Um, I'm really concerned about how much information they could actually glean from that scene. Has it, was it locked down? Did they do the appropriate methodologies in order to secure the scene and also collect uh, the evidence that's out there? And one of the things I'm thinking about right now are shell casings, because I don't, I don't think this is just one person that was involved in this. There are probably multiple shooters. Uh, it looks like they ambushed this vehicle and, uh, and just absolutely slaughtered this family. Straight out to Dr. Kendall Crown's medical examiner, Travis County, Texas, Austin. Dr. Von Crowns, what can we learn from the bodies themselves? Depending on how charred they are, meaning the blackening of the skin from the burning, you can still, you can still wipe that away and get down to the layer and find the injuries uh, from the gunshot wounds. So not only can you tell if the you can find the gunshot wounds, but you can also on the internal examination figure out if they were still alive when the fire was going by examining the uh, mucosal layer of the 
a windpipe or trachea, you can find soot and things of that nature, which shows that the individual is still breathing. So you can tell that they've been shot and then also tell if they were still alive when the fire started. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Dr. Kendall Crowns, you just went into warp 10. Uh, what did you just say? Could you explain that in regular people talk? I sure can. I apologize. Uh, so don't don't you do you do break it down when you get on the stand, don't you? Oh yeah, all the time. Okay, good. Okay, imagine me as a juror that knows absolutely nothing about ballistics or dead bodies. Help me. No problem. So Nancy, what you can find from an individual who's been burned in a fire is there'll be changes of the skin where the skin becomes blackened and hard, which we call charring. The charring itself is kind of a, on the outer layer of the skin, so you can kind of push that away and still find the injuries that may be underlying uh, the charring. So you will still be able to find the bullet holes. They may shrink from the fire, but they still will be there. And then you'll be able to find the injuries uh, internally from the wound pass created by the bullets. You can also determine if the individual was still alive when the fire started by examining their airway, uh, their mouth, uh, the trachea, which is the windpipe, uh, and the bronchi, which are the uh, parts of the windpipe that get air to your lungs. And what you'll find along that is a soot or kind of a black powder along the surface of that, which shows the individual was still breathing at the time the fire started. Wow. Dr. Kendall Von Crowns, uh, medical examiner, Travis County, Texas. I almost wish I hadn't asked, but I'd rather know the entire truth than not know. To Dr. Debbie Jaffe Ellis, psychologist, adjunct professor, Columbia University. Dr. Debbie, if I may call you that. Of course. The border killings, the massacre, eight children, some of them just infants. Some survived the ambush, and they escaped the drug cartel gunmen who killed their mothers and hid in the bushes then walking nearly 14 miles for help, these little children. This, you know, my dad passed away three years ago, and this past Sunday I was sitting in church and just broke down crying, just the thought of him. What is this going to do to those children for the rest of their lives? Nancy, I feel a lot of optimism that they will do well if they continue to receive support. Um, I have the impression they have large, loving families. And if the people closest to them and those of us in the general public focus on their miraculous resilience, on their heroism, then they will perhaps uh, more effectively than many of us adults be able to accept that in life there are evil things that happen, but that doesn't have to destroy survivors, that they can be, and I'm sure you've used this expression in the past, they can thrive, not only survive. I'm not saying it's an easy journey, but I'm very optimistic. Just, just going by the actions in the face of such evil crisis, of what the the thirteen year old boy and other members did, so I have great hope that not only can they have meaningful lives, but through their story they can inspire others. You know what, Dr. Debbie Jaffe Ellis, with us, psychologist, adjunct professor, Columbia University. I'm glad you said that, and I pray, I literally pray 
that that is true, listen now to our friends at Fox 13 Utah. The woman we spoke to tonight asked us to conceal her identity for fear of more retaliation. When the brother-in-law went to pick up the broken down vehicle, he was changing the tire and he saw smoke coming from just right over the hill. One of them broke down, got a flat tire. They came back home and swapped vehicles. They believe that flat tire put them and two other cars in the crossfire of a turf war between Mexican drug cartels. That it was a war between the Chihuahua cartel and the Sonora cartel, and that these women just happened to be caught in the middle. Several other children escaped and hid in bushes. To ask for help from the Mexican government is like asking for help from the mafia to fight the mafia. Stories with Nancy Grace. Frightened cries of a baby and young children as their dad tries to comfort them. These are the survivors of unimaginable horror. All were hit by gunfire and tonight being treated in a Tucson hospital. Three moms and six children died in the ambush including these eight-month-old twins, Tiana and Titus. After his mom and two brothers were shot to death, 13-year-old Devin Langford was able to hide six other siblings in nearby bushes, covering them with branches. He then walked 14 miles for help. His nine-year-old sister Mackenzie, grazed in the arm, also went for help, walking four hours in the dark, finally finding rescuers. Airlifted from Mexico to Arizona were eight-year-old Cody, shot in the jaw and leg. 14-year-old Kylie shot in the foot, 4-year-old Xander shot in the back, and Brixton, just 9 months old, shot in the chest. The tiniest miracle? 7-month-old Faith Langford. It's believed her mom, Christina, hid her baby's car seat just before she was gunned down. Faith was found 11 hours after the massacre. For relatives... It was just an attack on innocent families. There is nothing but shock and heartbreak. I think a lot of us are just speechless. It's, um, it's horrific. It just seems like a bad dream. A bad dream they can't wake up from. You're hearing our friend Janet Shamlian at CBS. Welcome back. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. What we learn now is that these moms were driving in separate vehicles with their children from Lamora. It was all about a, a wedding that they were attending. Renita Miller Four of her children, including her six-month-old twins, Titus and Tiana, her 10-year-old little girl, Crystal, her 12-year-old son, Howard, that's four children and the mom, murdered. Another two mothers, Donna Langford and Christina Langford-Johnson, and Donna's sons, just 11 and 3, also murdered. Donna's son, Devin, is the one that walked 14 miles to get help. He covered up his little brothers and sisters with branches and leaves before trying to figure out where the shots were coming from so he could avoid being murdered himself as he tried to get help. Now, we know his relatives say he reached them, now we're learning, six hours later. The family called authorities before arming themselves to go out looking to trying to save the other children Christina managed to save her seven-month-old baby, Faith, by putting the infant on the floor while bullets tore through the vehicle. And this mother 
even in the face of a hail of bullets, got out of the car to hold her arms up in the air to protect her family. There is a video now posted showing the charred and smoking remains of the family's car riddled with bullet holes. They were headed to Phoenix to, along with their children, to pick up Renita Wise, her husband, at the airport after a work trip, the car breaking down after they blew out a tire. I'm just overwhelmed at the pain these families are suffering. Back to James Galliano, former FBI supervisory special agent, FBI attaché to Mexico for several years. He is an international crimes expert. James, I'm still in the dark. I still don't have an answer about how we, America, can apprehend the killers of these nine family members. Well, Nancy, we won't, to answer your question succinctly, if we don't get assistance. Well, that's not the answer I was hoping <laughs> well, for, James. And, and, and I, Give me a light at the end of the tunnel. I know. I, 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 I leavened that with a bit of pith, and, and I didn't mean that. What, what I'm suggesting is... The Mexican government right now, you know, we've struggled with them um, for, I mean, for centuries. I mean, since, since, since the war in 1846, and we have a love-hate relationship with them. And I think it's the toughest thing that I had to endure while working there very closely with Mexican law enforcement and the Mexican military, because in their country, you're, you're, you're more successful in, in working operations with the military where there's, there's more of a trust level and there's less, and I don't want to say no, but there's less corruption. Because in, a Mexi in Mexico, the saying goes like this. Assume corruption unless proven otherwise. So I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but the bottom line is the Mexican government has got to ask for our help, has got to allow our help. It's a sovereign nation. That was the trickiest part of my job was massaging things, getting the Mexican government to be on board to track down a top-ten fugitive or a, 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 a parent who had taken their child and, and, and kidnapped them, essentially a custodial parent, and brought them to Mexico to get cooperation. It's difficult to compel it. You have to massage it. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm disheartened to, to, uh, to what I hear through my channels. The Mexican government and the U.S. government are working the, this investigation independently. And for the U.S., that means there are going to be roadblocks literally and figuratively at every step of the investigation going forward. Well, speaking of what's being done, listen to this. Mexican National Police and Military Forces dispatched to the area overnight searching for the gunman. It comes amid a string of violent episodes in the country. 14 police officers were killed October 14th in an ambush stemming from violent clashes. Days later, cartel gunmen set off a series of vicious attacks after police captured El Chapo's son. The government forced to release the notorious drug lord's son just hours after capturing him. A spokesman for the U.S. State Department telling NBC News they are aware of the reports of this most recent attack, but so far had no further comment. The U.S. ambassador to Mexico tweeting, The safety of our fellow citizens is our top priority. I am very closely following the situation between Sonora and Chihuahua. Closely following it, you are hearing our friend Sam Brock at NBC. Closely following it. What, what is that supposed to mean, James Galliano? Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the delicate dance that we have to do there. And, and, Nancy, I saw it up close and personal for two years. It is, it is very tough. The Mexicans move at the speed that they choose to move. And I'm not suggesting in any way that they're not actively interested in trying to solve this case. The problem, one of the many problems here is this is fraught with the fact that 
there are areas of Mexico, the Sonora region, the Chihuahua region, uh, Michoacan, Sinaloa. There are areas in Mexico where even the Mexican military is loath to go. And we've seen evidence of that of recent, where the cartels essentially own those places. They run them like a narco state, and that makes it very, very difficult. The police there get paid a pittance. There's very limited middle class in Mexico, so if you become a police officer, it means that you're usually in the, in the lower or the or poorer class, so you are much more susceptible to bribes, and you're certainly not going to want to die when you're making, you know, 17 cents a day to, to serve as a police officer there. That's just one of the many issues I think that we're going to be running up against is getting cooperation and then getting cooperation that is worth a toot, because a lot of the cooperation you get over there is just kind of platitudes and, yeah, 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 we'll get back to you. Sure, we'll run that report. Sure, we'll send an investigator up to interview. And then it never happens because of what I talked about, the corruption and the fear of the narco traffickers in Mexico. How much money do we pump into Mexico every year, James? We, believe it or not, we probably are half of their economy. When I say half of their economy, meaning folks that are here in our country in the United States that send money home, uh, they come here to work on a visa or they live here and, they, and they, they get jobs in whatever industry and they end up sending a huge chunk of their income home, as well as the tourism industry. So when I say that the United States is probably directly responsible for somewhere close to one half of their economy, because certainly they have, they have petrol and fuel and they have other exports and things that, that are a big part of their economy. But I'm telling you, the United States is a huge part of it. And back during the 80s when Kiki Camarena, the DEA agent who was, who was captured by narco traffickers and, and tortured and killed, the leverage the United States put was we are going to shut down the tourism industry. And if the United States shuts that down, meaning restricts American citizens from traveling to Mexico, that will get the Mexican government's attention really quickly. Stories with Nancy Grace. Trish Close is the aunt of victim Donna Ray Langford. All we could do was immediately start thinking positive and praying at the same time that we were all devastated and very emotional and um, did something that you can't explain how there's evil people in this world that could do such a thing like that. Some relatives say they believe the women and children were not the intended targets of the cartels and that this was a case of mistaken identity. One family member we spoke to says the children who survived are in the process of being brought to the United States for medical treatment. This morning, the U.S. ambassador to Mexico says they are following the situation very closely. Following the situation. Following it. Is that all they're doing? You're hearing from our friend at CBS. That was Jerrica Duncan. What is the very latest with the investigation? There has been a development. Nancy, in a stunning turn of events, Mexican officials have said the man that they captured along the U.S.-Mexico border earlier in the week and thought he was a suspect in the ambush that killed nine Americans is no longer suspected in that crime. Alfonso Durazzo is a public security official. He said that preliminary information indicates that the suspect they've detained is not linked to the attack. Now, earlier in the week, criminal investigators in Mexico said the suspect, who was, by the way, found with multiple assault weapons on him and two hostages in his captivity, they said he may have participated in that brutal highway ambush that killed three women, six children, that was including the two infants. Now they're saying 
This recent development shows that he was not involved in that attack at all and takes the investigation back to square one. Take a listen to our friends at ABC 15 Arizona. This is a whole new level of cartel violence. From Utah to Kansas City. It's got to be changes. And right here in the Valley. It's taken a lot of innocent lives. This family with relatives scattered across the U.S. is still asking why. It's just horrific that someone could do that to women and children. Another issue that has arisen is attacks on the family and their relatives themselves in the media. The banner right now is that Mexican authorities have made one arrest. They say they, quote, may be, they believe may be connected to the ambush killings of nine Americans, women and children in northern Mexico. Uh, The authorities there in Sonora say that one person, a heavily armed man, close to where the attacks took place, may possibly have participated, and the evidence is, quote, being analyzed seriously they can't figure out who did it straight out to dr debbie joffe ellis psychologist and adjunct professor columbia university you know a lot is being made in the press that these women and children were mormons why are seemingly maligning them like that's a bad thing i don't like it yeah well you know well i i suppose it's um, an idea that some producers might have of attracting more listeners, but it certainly divides rather than give us an opportunity to focus more strongly on, on the situation at hand, irregardless of, of the belief system of the people involved, and to develop empathy. Nancy, I, I want to say something about catastrophizing in this situation, and believe me, when I do this, it's not to minimize the tragedy. But in terms of of focusing on that they were Mormons or saying how will the kids ever survive, I think that does listeners a disservice. The fact of the matter is if you look back through history during times of war and other tragedies and, and you focus on the children and how they developed through into adulthood, the fact is some didn't develop well, particularly those who may have had genetic predispositions to depression or anxiety or other maladies and also those who didn't have support. However, there's an overwhelming number of stories, true life stories, of children who grew into adults who not only survived and thrived, but inspired and helped other people. My late parents survived concentration camps, and a lot of their friends did succumb to what was then called nervous breakdowns. But my parents and scores of their friends were cheerful people, jolly people. Like you, they cried at the thought of their lost loved ones years later, but they still also had meaningful and happy lives. So how will the survivors go? Time will tell. But as I said earlier, I have optimism that many, if not all of them, can do really well throughout their lives. Yeah, that's interesting. And I'm not disagreeing with you, Dr. Debbie. With me, Dr. Debbie Joffe Ellis, adjunct professor, Columbia University. I am a crime victim. I'm a tangential victim of murder, gun violence. And I think when we are on the outside looking at violent crime survivors and we see them laughing, oh, well, they're jolly, they're happy, they, they're doing fine. It's not like that at all. Uh, with me, I will myself, I choose to be happy, and I make that come true as best as I can. But there is not one day that passes 
that that one act of violent crime does not affect me, my husband, my children, my world, the way I see the world, because of that one moment in time. It has forever changed me. Now, I'm looking at it through a, a, a different prism than you because I work with uh, violent crime victims every day. So I see a, a, a different mm, aspect of them. To Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, you're a death investigator. How have you perceived that the families and loved ones of murder victims, I mean, they do go on, they live, they get jobs, they go to school, but they're forever affected. Yeah, they are, Nancy, and it's not something that, uh, well, I, I hate to use terms so cliched like uh, uh, bounce back from or, uh, you know, get closure because I, in my estimation, those those things don't truly actually exist. Uh, they're just, you know, uh, nebulous fairy dust that's out there. There's not, I have, I don't have a lot of hope for, for, for solving this case and to get true answers. In Mexico alone, there are 30,000 unclaimed and unidentified bodies throughout that country, relative, and that's their medical legal system. I don't have a lot of hope that we're ever going to find out what truly happened. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zin 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.